Hallelujah. Amen. If you think you're blessed, I got to hear that for about 20 years before I got married. And some after. Oh, I appreciate my dad, my mom, greatly. Amen. You know, one time, I don't know, it wasn't that long ago, five years ago, so maybe. Uh, it's like the Lord just decided to, sh- to, to show me in the scripture that the Bible says, honor your father and mother. And I mean, yeah, I was, if I was 30 years old, I knew that that verse was in there. But he stopped me where I was and he said, hang on, I need to make sure that you hear that my word tells you to honor your father and mother. So I appreciate them very much. Thankful for them. Praise God. Amen. It's also exciting today because we get to have our new assistant elder with us. That's Brother Joel Hart. Very excited. Now, if you haven't seen, uh, hopefully most of you have seen, there was a a, a video message that Bishop Schoonover put out a few weeks ago about, uh, about this announcement and that that brother Joel Hart, I'm going to have to, he, to me he's Joey, but to our congregation he is what you call him, and I'm going to try to start calling him brother Joel or brother Hart. I, my kids have even been asking me, what, who is, what do we call him? So, so handsome, there you go, That he'll answer to that one, tall. <laughs> So I'm going to let him come and, and speak to you, greet you, and, and uh, just, he, he's someone that knows, I, I mean, I'm not going to take a lot of time, I could tell you a lot about him, that, uh, and all that I appreciate about him, and there will be a time, I'm sure, for that, but uh, he's someone that knows what we value as a congregation, above all, is hearing the voice of God and flowing with his spirit, and I know that, that Brother Hart is familiar, quite familiar with that. And uh, so I'm thankful for that. I'm going to let him come at this time. Brother Joel. Amen. Praise the Lord, everyone. It's good to be back here with you all and uh, with the flowers. And I would say the elder flowers, but I guess it's the elder elder flowers. (laughs) Grandma and grandpa flowers. Um, but it's such an honor and blessing to be with Union Gap today. Yes, why don't we dismiss the classes? <laughs> I'm new to this. Amen. Thankful for Sunday school teachers and the impact they make in children's lives. I uh, I don't I don't intend to take very long uh, this morning, but I man as as um, Grandpa Flowers, I don't know what to call it, <laughs> Papa Flowers, as, as he so, uh, as he said so well, there's such a, man, such a sweet presence of the Lord here today, and um, I, I've been blessed, privileged to grow up in this my whole life, but the presence of God is something that really never grows old, and um Man, you can be in that place of, of darkness, that place of feeling the pressure of the world, and maybe you forget what the presence of God feels like. You forget what that peace of God feels like. And then you come, in, you come into a service like this, like today, where he's just here so gently, and uh, he's here as, and it has, as Brother Caleb said, Brother Flowers said, Sometimes he's walking in the midst of us and just waiting for are we going to reach out? Are we going to touch him? Do we have the faith today to know that we can, we can touch him? We have an advocate with the Father. We have an advocate with Jesus Christ who he knows our situations. He knows our struggles. He knows the difficulties of 2020 with coronavirus and chaos of all of that. We know we have a high priest who knows the 
afflictions that we face, the things that we face. Amen. And I know that God is here. I don't know, I, I don't know really, I don't think any of the needs maybe that you have today, but I know that God wants to minister here. I don't think I have to say very much at all for him to do that. Um, but I wonder if, before I even say anything else, if we can just, one more time, if we can lift our hands and just ask that God would uh, have his way here. Well, we're not waiting on a man. We're not waiting on some eloquent words to be spoken for something cool to happen, but the presence of God is here this morning. He's here to meet needs. He's here to give you peace in your storm, in your situation. In the name of Jesus, I pray. God, we reach to you this morning. We look to you, Jesus, the author, the finisher of our faith. We look unto heaven, God. We look unto you who sits on the throne. You sit on the throne, Jesus, in 2021. No matter who the president is, God, no matter what the way of our country goes, Jesus, you sit upon the throne. No matter our financial situation, Father, you hold the whole world in your hands. You own the cattle on a thousand hills, Father. You're our provider, Jesus, and you are our source. In the name of Jesus, in the name of Jesus, in the name of Jesus. Amen. I feel just such a great faith today. Um, I'm just going to share one scripture with you that I feel like, um, well, it's been stirring in my heart, but I feel like is uh, kind of in the Holy Ghost for where we're at today. Um, 2 Corinthians chapter 4, if you want to turn there or see it on the screen, I'm sure. Second Corinthians chapter four and verse six. Amen. It says, For for God who commanded the light to shine out of darkness has shined in our hearts to give the light of the knowledge of the glory of God in the face of Jesus Christ. Amen. How many are thankful that we have the knowledge of Jesus Christ today? The understanding of the power of the mighty God in, in Christ Jesus and the glory of God that is, that is in Him, that is in that name, that, that now lives and dwells within us if we've received the baptism of the Holy Ghost. And it's, it's beyond just His Spirit, but it's, it extends to the revelation of who He is. The revelation that... Jesus, the Son, is not some second person or whatever order they put it in. First person, I don't even know. But he's not some second being in, in a trinity, but he is the mighty God in Christ Jesus. And we have, by the revelation of God, he's given us the ability to, to know this. He's given us the ability to realize this and for that, the light of that to be loosed in us and to shine through us. And verse 7 says, and I want to go back to verse 6, the end there. It says, he gave us, I'm just going to read the whole verse again. For God who commanded the light to shine out of darkness has shined in our hearts. And this is why he's, he's done that. He shined in our hearts to give the light of the knowledge of the glory of God in the face of Jesus Christ. That's why he shined in our hearts, to give us that knowledge. Now watch verse 7. For we have this treasure. What's the treasure that we have? It's the knowledge of the glory of God. It's the knowledge of Jesus Christ. Is the treasure that we have in earthen vessels. That's us. We are, but other, other translations, and, and you study this out, it translates as just clay pots. And if you, if you um, know anything about archaeology, you know that Clay pots is something that they find most often when they're doing digs in, in these uh, places that are thousands of years old. They, uh, even I actually uh, had the privilege to go to Israel the beginning of last year and 
we went to this one place that was called a, a tell. It was called Tel Megiddo. And I won't get too into it, but what a tell means is you can literally see the layers of, of the history within that side of the mountain. You can see how many generations have passed and built one upon another in the earth that is there. And um, we were on the top layer, of course. And uh, I don't know how old it was. It wasn't, probably wasn't from Jesus' time. But we found there was numerous just pieces of clay pots that were just there. We could just pick up and, and take pieces, I mean, chunks of them just laying everywhere. And um, they're fragile things. We know that we are, if you've been alive for any length of time, you know that we're fragile human beings. And uh, I've heard it all my life that, you know, ladies are maybe more emotional than, than men. But man, sometimes I, especially today, I get in the presence of God and <laughs> feel like I proved that wrong. That man, I'm, I'm just a fragile being. I'm just a clay pod that feels like I could fall apart at any moment. But we have this treasure in earthen vessels that the excellency of the power may be of God and not of us. And I watch this. I feel like this has got to be one of the most relatable passages uh, in all of the scripture for where we are today. Where it says we are troubled on every side, yet not distressed. We are perplexed, but not in despair. We're persecuted, but not forsaken. And cast down, but not destroyed. Amen. We're, as a clay pot, if you look in the natural, as a clay pot, when we're cast down, we should be destroyed. Right? Naturally, because we're just this frail, fragile being that dries up, that just can crumble at any moment. Naturally, if we look with the eyes and in the mind of, of the natural, we know that with all that's going on around us, we should be crushed. We should be destroyed. We should be in, in a bunch of little pieces. But God, <laughs> but the treasure that we have within us, the treasure of the knowledge of the glory of Jesus Christ, we're not destroyed. Amen. Verse, verse 10 says, We're always bearing about in the body the dying of the Lord Jesus. I feel like I can relate to that. But the reason that we do that is that the life also of Jesus might be made manifest in our body. For we which live are always delivered... Or, is that the verse I just read? Or no, verse 11. For we which live are always delivered unto death for Jesus' sake, that the life also of Jesus might be made manifest in our mortal flesh. So then death worketh in us, but life in you. We have the same spirit of faith according as, as it is written, I believed and therefore have I spoken. And we also believe and therefore speak. Amen. Like I said, I don't know what... Uh, what anyone in here is dealing with, facing, other than what everyone in the world is facing. But it's, I, I realize situations and circumstances, are, they're relative to, a lot of times, to the way that we deal with them and, and based on our own circumstances. But if we have the revelation of Jesus Christ, if we have the revelation of who He is, and we received His Spirit, Again, as, as Elder Flower said, we're, for his 62, I think it was, years, God's not forsaken him. God hasn't left him. I've only been alive for 25 years, but he hasn't forsaken me. He hasn't left me. He's remained faithful even when I haven't. He's remained true to me even when I've went astray and tried to do things my own way. He's just been there waiting, saying, you know what? <laughs> You're going to be crushed if you, don't, if you keep trying to do this yourself. Amen. You're going to be destroyed. And I feel like 
there's been many lessons for each of us, and I'm sure for the church as a whole, but I feel like, if anything, the, and it's running into 2021 now, but the year 2020 and 2021 and however long it's going to go has been to teach us a lesson that we can't do this on our own. And whether you've been in the church one day, 10 days, 10 years, or 60 years, we still can't do it on our own. <laughs> no matter how much knowledge we get of, of the way that life is supposed to work and, and what we think you know, is supposed to happen, how we, how we think we're supposed to balance our checkbook and do all the right things. And we might be successful in, in the natural, but our spiritual man our inner man is going to be dying. It's going to be wondering what's, what's more out there. Why am, I, why am I still not feeling satisfied? Why am I still, still not feeling like I'm fulfilling my purpose in the world? It's because God's waiting there saying, you can't do it on your own. You're going to be crushed. You're just a clay pot. But with him, with his spirit, with the revelation of him, we're witnesses of his spirit. We're witnesses of who he is to the world. When our coworkers are, are wondering, man, I, it's hard for me to come, even come to work every day, and you come in with a smile. What is going on? I know we're making the same amount of money. We're making the same dollar amount every hour, but what's, what's different? How can you endure the things of this world? How can you endure the circumstances and you... Well, let me tell you about Jesus, <laughs> right? Sometimes it's as simple as that. Let me tell you about the treasure that I have in this earthen vessel that keeps me from being crushed, keeps me from being destroyed. And we're, we're in a late hour. We're in a time, and it's, I, again, as I said, I'm, I'm only 25, and it's hard for me to accept sometimes that I may not make it to 50. <laughs> I may not make it to 30. It's hard to tell. We, we don't know the day or the hour when he's returning. But we know by, because of the signs, we know that it's soon. And we have a responsibility because we have this revelation, because we have the Spirit of God. It's, it's our responsibility to be that witness, to be that light to the world that is otherwise being crushed around us, to the world that's otherwise being destroyed. But we have to, first of all, make it up in our minds that that revelation is going to work in us. The glory of God is going to work in and through us. The enemy, he'll try to trick us a lot of times and, and say, you know what, you, you've got too many of your own issues and too many of your own problems to be able to minister or to help this person or this person. But that's a lie from the enemy. We, we still have our problems. We still have our issues. Just because we have the Holy Ghost doesn't mean those things are just gone away with or erased, but because we have the Holy Ghost, we have that supernatural ability to deal with them that the world doesn't have. So if we'll make up in our mind that this treasure within us is going to keep us from being crushed, and even if I'm still dealing with and working through these issues, these situations, I can still be a witness to my coworker, can still be a witness, brother, at the pizza shop, <laughs> can still be a witness at Costco, brother, for me as well, at Costco, wherever you're at, can be a witness because of the treasure that's within us. Amen. Amen. Brother Flowers, that's all I have. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. I should also mention that Brother Hart is as much has been a part of uh, Life Church as you and I have. If you didn't know, he was in Selah. Every Sunday when we've been coming here, he's been going there. And we, we know I don't have to, to recollect all of the... Uh, the, the closeness, you know, the fact that we are of the same body, uh, this congregation and that, and our other congregations as well. So, so he's not a stranger 
even if you haven't seen him before or only once or twice. I think in the, in the, in the uh, secular world, they would call that an outside hire. That was not an outside hire. I'm, I'm thankful for him. John chapter 1. As you're turning there, I'm going to reread what Brother Hart read in, in 2 Corinthians 4, verse 6, the part of that, who, that it says, God who commanded the light to shine out of darkness hath shined in our hearts to give us the light of the knowledge of the glory of God in the face of Jesus Christ. John chapter 1 and verse 4. It says, in him was life, and the life was the light of men. The Lord had given me some verses this morning, earlier this morning. And I, I know my wife knows that I like that song, Great Are You, Lord. And I didn't ask her to sing it, but I believe that she was also feeling after the Lord when he inspired her to sing that because it's so much of what I, what I have been feeling this morning as well. But I really feel like almost all that the Lord has shared with me is, is what the, that first phrase of verse 4 says, in him was life. If you know John 1, 1, it, it, always, it goes back to in the beginning was the word, right? And it, it explains that. We've talked quite a bit about that lately. But verse 4 says, in him was life. Everyone say, in him was life. Life, as we know it, is basically our ability to live. The fact that we have a, have a life, that we have breath, that we have a home, that we have a family, that we have a job, whatever it is that we say is, is my life, that's, that's my life. But it goes all the way back to this. And I've even heard this said, this distinguishing as well, you know, the Lord existed before there was such a thing as time. Time. Uh, my favorite way that I heard that put, I think it was Brother Mike Gonzalez that said, time is a construct of God. That means he decided, I'm going to build something called time. I'm going to build something else called space. I'm going to build something called life. In him was life. On the earth, when he created the earth, there was not already living things. He made them. So it says that in him was life, and the life was the light of men. The life that was in him was the light of men. Turn to Genesis chapter 2. In him was life. The life was the light of men. Genesis chapter 2, verse 7. Genesis chapter 2, verse 7. It says, And the Lord God formed man out of the dust of the ground and breathed into his nostrils the breath of life. So it's important we establish in him was life first. He made, he, he made all these things, and many of us that have been doing Bible reading, especially here at the beginning of the year, have been reading Genesis or have recently read Genesis. And all through chapter 1, you know, it says, on this day he made this, on this day he made this. And when he made the living creatures in the sea and in the air and on the land, that was the first time that something called life was here on this earth. Follow me. Stay with me. That's the first time there was something called life on the earth. And, and with the plants, with, you know, we could, we could probably pass some of these kids the microphone and they could teach us biology lessons about how we know that there's life in a plant. So he made these living things, 
And then in Genesis chapter 2 here, he made, it says he formed man out of the dust of the ground and he breathed into his nostrils the breath of life. Okay, so now life in the plants, life in the fish, life in the birds, life in the animals, life in the human. But what it says next is it distinguishes further what God did for man. How he made man differently than all the rest of his creation. He breathed the breath of life into man and man became a living soul. Man became a living soul. When he, when he planted, the, the, when he decided to, to grow a plant, that plant was not a living soul. When he put the fish in the sea, those fish were not living souls. They were living creatures. When he put the birds in the air, they're living creatures. The animals. Now, if you really would make me bring Van Gogh, my beagle, up here and make me tell him, my, my brother, little brother, I love you and you are a living creature and you bring a lot of joy to our home and to our family. But you know what, little man? <laughs> little dog? You are not a living soul. When you pass, should that ever happen, we're going to well, let's not think about that too much, but you're going to be gone. Put you in the ground, wherever, and that'll be the end because you're not a living soul. You have a body, fur, and paws, and a tail, and floppy ears, and all that, but you're not a living soul. And I'm not even going to say if, I'm going to say when, when I make it to heaven. I'm not going to expect to see you there. I'm, talk, I'm not talking to you. I'm talking to the dog, okay? That's, I expect to see you there. But I'm distinguishing. This is what the scriptures does. It distinguishes man as a living soul. Because you know what, Brother Vance? If, when, you and I pass away from this earth, they'll put our bodies in the ground. But you know what? We are a living soul. And your soul is eternal. The breath of, nost the, the, the breath of life that he put in our nostrils started... You know, it's kind of like if I was a robot and you plugged it in and powered up. Okay, I'm on. You unplug me and I'm going down. It's not like that. We are not robots. The breath of life that the Lord put into our nostrils created not a living body. It created a living soul. Now, again, in John 1, it says, In Him was life. So in him, all kinds of life, he can decide, I want that plant to have this kind of life, the animals to have this kind of life, and I've reserved this type of life for this creation. Men. Acts chapter 17. I'm going to try to go quickly through this. I'll start at verse 24. Acts chapter 17, verse 24. For sake of time, I'm not going to try to give you all the context around this, but this is the Apostle Paul speaking. He says, God that made the world and all things therein, seeing that he is the Lord of heaven and earth, dwelleth not in temples. May, seeing, okay? Seeing that he... Seeing that he's the Lord of it all. God who made the world. 
doesn't dwell in temples made with hands. Because he made the guy that made the temple. I mean, think about it. This idol right here, he didn't make the guy that made him. The guy just decided to make him. Right? You pick an idol over here, or a god, or anything that, that is in the place of our god, and something that would receive worship, something that people would pay homage to, and to do whatever, they recognize that as a god. But Paul is saying, the god who made the world, because he's Lord, he doesn't just live in a temple. Let me keep going. Verse 25, neither is he worshipped with men's hands as though he needed anything, seeing he giveth to all. What? Seeing he, <laughs> seeing he gives to all life and breath. He gives me life. And then he says, okay, what are you going to do with it? He doesn't give me life and then come along and say, oh, by the way, please worship me. I need some, I need some praise and some accolades here. I need you to recognize, you know, Paul is, he's trying to draw, uh, uh, you know, he's, he's in some ways he's really kind and PC because he could have just said, you guys don't know what you're doing. It makes no sense to worship something that was made by men. If you do so, you're, what you're really doing is you are pointing out to your creator. That's fine. If you don't want to worship him, if you don't want to acknowledge, you know, he's your Lord and he's your savior, you cannot dispute the fact that he is your creator. So if I have to peel it back to that, I will. You got here because someone, God, decided to put breath in you. He gave you life. Now you're going to take that life that he gave you and waste, uh, and waste it worshiping false gods. He doesn't need anything. You tell me that your God needs rose petals? That's kind of strange. You tell me that your God needs fresh water every day? That's kind of strange. You tell me your God has to have meat cooked on this thing a certain way, and if not, it's... My God doesn't need anything. He created all of it. And you know what? If... <laughs> If he needed something else, he could just, there it is. Got it. Thank you, me. Thank me. I can make what I want to make. I don't need anything. Seeing he gives all life and breath to all things. And hath made of one blood all nations of men. For to dwell on the face of the earth. If you want to look for a message of unity, that's a verse for you right there. He made from one blood all men. Yeah, I'm going back to Genesis again for a minute. He formed man, put all the things that he needed in there. If you're squeamish, I'm sorry, plug your ears, but that includes the blood. That he put in Adam. Adam, yeah, uh, yeah, I made everything. The skin, the hair, the eyes. Oh, but you know what? I forgot to put the life blood in there. No, he made it and he put the blood. And Paul is saying he's the creator. He made all of this, including you, including me. But you know what? He made out of one blood all nations of men. 
he didn't spend some time over in Africa and make some over there and spend some time in Europe and make some over there and spend some time down in Antarctica and up in, a, you know, Alaska. He didn't, he didn't just decide, oh, I, got, I need some people over here, let me go make some. I need some people over here, let me go make some. I know it, it, that, that doesn't sound like, you know, you, you, would, you wouldn't think that people believe that unless you consider how they act and talk about one another. I didn't see that coming. I'm not trying to be mean to anybody. But I'm, I'm sitting there telling you, if you're my brother, if you're my sister, if I really believe the Bible, and then I'm going to say I have to believe what Paul said just in this one verse, all men came from one man in all nations of the world. You can pick me up off of the northern hemisphere and place me so, somewhere else. Those are my brothers and my sisters. Here. Because we're all human. Can you imagine if just that simple message was really embraced by everyone? I mean, we, we got issues, right? We're people, we're humans, and we're in the United States, and we got issues. And they're real, and I'm not trying to. But if we started at this point and then said, okay, where, at what point did things take a turn? If, I'm, if I am so opposite of you and my views are so opposite of yours, at what point did things take the turn? Because, you know what, yeah, you, that's your street address and this is mine, but that's not what determines whether we see things eye to eye. Go all the way back. And then you realize, okay, somewhere along the way, cer certain ideas started to get shared. Certain thoughts started to get promoted. Cer oh, Oh, there he is. I didn't expect to talk about our enemy anywhere in this today. But this is, this is where he is. This is how he has shown up in, in the world all throughout time. You, you think he just wanted to stop after he talked to Eve and got her? No, that was the start. I'm going to plant this seed. I'm going to plant this seed. I'm going to get this one to do this. I'm going to get this one to think this. I'm going to go over here and share a little bit of lie and falsehood there. Before you know it, every one of these people is thinking negative thoughts about everybody else. Everyone say we are one. He's made of one blood all nations of men for to dwell on the face of the earth and hath determined the times before appointed and the bounds of their habitation that they should seek the Lord if haply they might feel after him and find him though he be not far from every one of us. For in him we live. What did John 1 say again? In him was life. And Paul says, in him we live and move and have our being. You can take the most, what seems to you like the most ungodly, full of sin, hater of everyone, you name it. Worst of the worst. And you know what? That person, that man, that woman, they only have the life that they have in their body for the same reason that you and I do. Because it's in him we live and move and have our being. <laughs> Live and move. You know what? Okay, I'm doing that. I'm moving that arm. Because the Lord's allowing me. If all of a sudden he decided to not let me do it anymore, I couldn't do it no matter how bad I wanted to. 
No matter how much therapy I went to, no matter what medicine, you know, I can't do that. It's in him that I live and move, have my being. As certain of your poets has said, for we are also his offspring. I'm almost done here. 29, for as much then as we are the offspring of God, we ought not to think that the Godhead is like unto gold or silver or stone, graven by art and man's device. And the times of... Okay. He's... Let's pretend this is the, the idol for just a minute. Just one of many. The, the, the encounter that Paul is talking about, it was the encounter on Mars Hill, right? Where he sees, this is in Greece, this is in Athens, where Greek mythology had already run rampant. That's the, that's the religion of the day, really, was Greek mythology. And Paul is saying, you got something like this, made with man's hands, and then... You decide to worship that thing. Go back to the next verse, last verse, Brother Timothy. Verse 29. For as much as we are the offspring of God, we ought not to think that the Godhead is like any man-made image. Tell me, how much does this look like, Brother DeAndre? There, I mean, nothing. Nothing like it. Tell me how much Brother Kyle looks like Brother DeAndre. Quite a bit. Because he's the offspring. You are the offspring of God. What, do you, what makes you think God looks like that? Now, next verse. Here, I, I'm trying to wrap up here. The times of this ignorance God weaked at. What that means is he was okay to allow this ignorance to happen for some time. But now, everyone say now. Now commandeth all men everywhere to repent. In other words, I'm not okay with it anymore. And that was in our lifetime, okay? In this, here's the big word alert, dispensation. In this time, the same rules that applied to Paul and the people that he was talking to applied to us. So when he says God used to be okay with this, but he no longer is, and he's now commanding all men to repent, that means in 2021, he's still commanding all men to repent, Verse 31, because he hath appointed a day in the which he will judge the world in righteousness by that man whom he hath ordained, whereof he hath given assurance unto all men, in that he hath raised him from the dead. That whole message that Paul just preached to all them was to get them to the point to realize God ordained a time for a man to die for your sins and then to be raised from the dead. After this, it says, when, okay, there he goes. Start, he's talking about resurrection now. And it says some people mocked him for that and left. And others heard and obeyed. Obeyed what? The fact that God commands all men to repent. I'll tell you, I'll give you a little bit of good news wrapped in a cloak of bad news. If Paul can't get everyone to repent. If Paul can share all of this right there in front of everybody under the unction and the order of the Holy Ghost and some men mock him. That gives me a little bit of courage that, all right, I don't have to go get 100 percent of this world to repent. That's not my focus. 
My focus is share the word of God for what they need to hear. And then let them decide how they're going to respond. Because, and, uh, you know what, up until today, the Lord was fine with you not hearing and knowing about. But now today you've heard it. And now God is telling you to repent, to change, have a change of the direction that your life was going. And now turn this way. Now that's up to you. You're on your own from this point forward. I mean, he's with you. Paul said it. Men should seek him because they're going to find him because he's everywhere. You don't have to turn here, but in John 15, verse 5, he's talking about the vine, and he says, apart from me, you, you can do nothing. John 1 and 5, where we were, it says that the light shined in the darkness, this light that we're talking about. The world, he told his disciples, the world knoweth me not, but you know me because I've dwelled with you and I shall be in you. Now, last verse, 1 Timothy chapter 3, verse 16. 1 Timothy chapter 3, verse 16. What Paul wrote in Corinthians that we read early, earlier with Brother Hart, talking about God made the face shine on us in, in the face of the Lord Jesus. Every, and Paul's telling them, you worship this kind of God, but God did what he did through this man. And he is always pointing to the work of Jesus Christ. Without controversy, great is the mystery of godliness. I, we, we touched on this a couple of weeks ago on a Tuesday night. If you were here, you remember that. I mentioned this verse. And the, the verse says, without controversy, great is the mystery of godliness. The world says nobody can understand God. And they, they sound a little bit alike if you just take those two. If you just take those two phrases and compare them, okay, great's the mystery of godliness. Nobody can understand God. Great's the mystery. It's a great mystery. Nobody can understand him. But the scripture says, great is the mystery of godliness. God was. Now, and then even also, you see that little colon right there after the word godliness? Two dots, that's a colon. That means I'm going to expound on what I just said. Great is the mystery of godliness, colon. Here comes the explanation. God was manifest in the flesh. I'll read, I'll read this to you the way that, it, that I wrote it down here. The mystery is not how he was manifest in the flesh. The mystery is that he was manifest in the flesh. Because if you ask me to explain how did he overshadow Mary and cause a birth, I don't know how. Okay, yes, that's a mystery if you want to put it in that term. But I know that he did. That is not a mystery to me. But the world would like to say, and especially as you, it, it, that old devil. He wants to raise a question in your mind. You just, you can't fully explain this. And so why even try? Why believe it? Why embrace it? Why profess it? You can't fully explain it. Another bit of good news robed in some bad news. You don't have to. God has not asked you to. He will never require of you to explain. He does expect you to exercise the faith that he gave you. 
Every man has been given a measure of faith. And that measure of faith, whether it's a big or small or medium amount or whatever, that is how much faith you need to get from a question to a belief. Great is the mystery of godliness. God was manifest in the flesh. God was manifest in the flesh. Justified in the spirit. Seen of angels. Preached unto the Gentiles. Believed on in the world. Received up into glory. Why don't you stand with me? The Lord has put breath in your lungs. Is anybody here not breathing? Hasn't breathed since you've been here. The Lord's put breath in your lungs. He calls that the breath of life. And with that, he's made you a living soul. Your soul, just like mine, because of sin, your soul, just like mine, is condemned to death. But not just the kind of death that my body is going to be condemned to. An eternal damnation. That makes death sound like a holiday. But my soul, my living soul, the way that God made it, it's ordained. Scripture says it's appointed unto man once to die, and then the judgment. And we walk around here thinking, judgment's all around me. Judgment's all around you. Ah, not that kind. Once to die, then the judgment. What's the judgment based on? It's based on what did you do before you died. It's based on the Lord winked at this in times past, but now has commanded every man to repent. Now, now, don't worry about anybody else that's not in the room right now. Okay? Don't worry about it. This is, this is another trick of the enemy. He'll, as soon as it comes down to you, he's going to start making you wonder about somebody else. I've been around long enough to know that one. Oh, but what about so-and-so? Yeah, they're not here right now. You are. What if one of those men on Mars Hill would have gone to Paul and said, but you, my granddad worshipped this idol. He's not here right now. You are. In times past, God winked at that. But now, but now is commanding every man to repent. God was manifest in the flesh for this purpose. Because my, my soul, my living, eternal soul, condemned to die and death and then the judgment doesn't have the legs to stand on, doesn't have the right to go before God and say, I'll plead my case and I'll tell you why in my judgment you should judge this way. My soul can't do that. Your soul can't do that. But God, knowing that, robed himself in flesh, manifest himself in flesh, died on a cross to take away those sins and give you, we call this his blood, give you his blood to cover those sins. Now my soul, now my living soul has a way to live forever. Now, okay, I'll, this is the last thing I'm going to say. There was a movie. Yeah, you didn't see that coming, did you? 
There was a movie, a famous, quite famous movie. And the theme of this movie was get busy living or get busy dying. Now you can take it from there and try to figure out what movie it was. That's all I'm going to give you. But your soul, your soul, everyone hear me. Everyone say, my soul. My soul is going to live forever because that's how God made it. My question is, is it going to be living forever or dying forever? Because it's eternal. It's eternal. And it's either going to be living forever or spending eternity wishing it had lived forever. Let's pray in the name of Jesus. Father, I pray that you speak to us right now. God, I pray that by your grace and your mercy, Lord, you would extend this offering to us, Father. Jesus, I thank you for dying on the cross to take away my sin. I thank you for shedding your blood to take away my sin. Father, I'm thankful that you've put breath in my lungs. I'm thankful that you've given me a breath of life, God. I'm thankful that you've given me this soul, Lord Jesus. Without it, I could never see you. Without this living soul, God, I could never see you or be in your presence. And on my own, I'm still not good enough, Lord. But you made the way. You made the way for me. Lord, if any man sins, he has an advocate with the Father. Hallelujah. Come on, somebody needs to plead it right now. The plead the blood of Jesus right now. The advocate. He's my advocate with the Father. Hallelujah. 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 In the name of Jesus. Come on, you need to take a minute right now. I'm encouraging every person. If you want to come up front and pray, that's fine. This altar is open. But wherever you are, you need to be praying. Go before the Lord. Come on. This is the weight of your eternity. That living soul that the Lord has given us. He's speaking to you about it right now. Lord, I put my life in your hands. Lord, I put my life in your hands. Ikata haye andala mahaya. Ikasata haye. Yandolo roshata haye ikahai. In the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus. You will never leave me. You will never forsake me. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Ikata haye andala mahai. You've provided the way, Father. You've provided the way, Father. In the name of Jesus, Lord, I repent this day. I repent this day, Father. Jesus, here and now, God, as your word has commanded me, as your word has commanded me, Father. Ikata haye andalama sata hayea. Iandolo romo shaka sata hayea. Iandolo romo sata haye ikahaya. Inaha sata haye. Iandolo romo soko sata hayea. In the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus,
Praise the Lord, church. I want to thank my Lord for what he has done here today. He has done. I know miracles happen today. I know something. He touched the hearts of somebody, and there was a transformation today. And that's why I want to thank him for Brother Joel Hart being here, the word that was spoken, the songs that were sung. But I just want to thank the Lord because he's the one that ordained everything happened because of him. And uh, let's, let's pray. Lord, in the name of Jesus, right now we thank you, we praise you, we give you all the honor and all the glory for what you have done here today. Oh, Lord, because you love us, you came here, you were here with us. And anyone that touched, stretched out their hands, you could touch him because he was here. He was manifested. His love was here. And I thank you, Lord, for the word that you gave us today, that you blessed us. We want to thank you, Lord. We praise you. And like I said, we give you honor and glory for raining that anointing on us here in this place today, Lord. And Lord, we thank you. We will seek you. We will live for you. <coughs> and I thank you for what you've done here today for the presence of Brother Flowers' parents here to be here. I thank the Lord for that. I know they made a trip, but it was worth it. it. Oh, the power of the Holy Ghost was just here. I thank you, Lord, in Jesus' name. And God bless you all, and you're dismissed. <laughs>